Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Good morning. Good to see you. You too, always. Uh, I was reading um, this devotee, Kalakanti Dasi in Finland. Uh, she's a grand disciple of one of Prabhupada's god brothers, Sadanand Das Swami. And um, <clears throat> so I was reading this morning that he said that one should seriously and systematically study the Shastra uh, as opposed to like jumping here and there and perhaps going above one's adhikar and trying to read a Shastra that's more advanced and but I just I just see for myself I've never systematically studied Shastra in all my early years, I was so involved in service that I never had time to read. I hardly even go to classes. So um, I'm just feeling like I should begin a systematic study of Shastra. And I was wanted to ask you how to go about that. <laughs> and, well, I think that you, you know, you. You do that to some extent by listening to the lectures and so forth. Um, but um, I think that, uh, you know, we have core texts that have been uh, translated into English. And, um, and that they should be read in a, in a, well in a systematic way. And what I would say about that in terms of what is systematic would be that once you read the text and try to understand how one verse leads to the next, one chapter leads to the next, um, and get a kind of a holistic um, perspective on that particular book. Mm -hmm. um, kind of devour it, you know, it, 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 you know, book at a time, something like that. Some of the texts obviously are quite long, even the Gita's, you know, I think 700 some verses uh, would speak of the Bhagavatam, 18,000 or so versus that's a lot harder to handle, so to speak. And Prabhupada's commentary, sometimes it doesn't take you systematically from one verse to the next and show the connection and so on and so forth. Not to, It's not a fault, but he wrote it in a different way. Some of the other commentaries that have been translated, you know, do that a little bit, a little bit more, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, just basically, uh, if you take a book like Chaitanya Charitamrita Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, um, those are available in, in English. Um, try to get a handle on the whole whole book, is what would I would say. Think? And I would, I would also say, excuse me, that when you read the commentaries, uh, on the verses and they quote verses, then it behooves you to look those verses up and look at the commentaries 
on those verses. And then in those commentaries, there may be verses. And then you look up those, and then you start, you start, you'll start to see how, hmm, a lot of this stuff is in this book and it's in that book, and he's drawing from that book to bring it to this book. And you start to enter into the, you know, into the entirety, if you will, of the of the core texts. And you start to see where Gaudiya Vaishnavism comes from, how you know 80% of it has already been written about before Gaudiya Vaishnavism even appeared in the world, before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in the world. Um, and so, in other words, it has the connection to, to, to the larger body of the Upanishads and the, the, the Puranas beyond the Bhagavatam and so on and so forth. Um, so all of that is, you know, how I think about, you know, systematically um, studying the texts, um, and then you, of course, then you, and you see, and the, these are these are the core Gaudiya things that have been added on to, like, like the three modes of nature. Just to give an example, it's not a Gaudiya concept, right? You know, it, it extends beyond, um, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, we have terms like karma and jnana, and then there are whole texts and sections of other traditions that are all about jnana, all about karma and so forth, or, or yoga. So, I mean, the Goswamis who wrote the core texts obviously had a systematic understanding and they were drawing from all the, all the um, principal uh, philosophies of the time, take some, leaving some behind and, so so anyway, it's 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 quite a task. It's it's um, it's it's not hard, but it takes a while. Uh, but we got time. So, um, but I would think of it um, like that. I mean, you know, the 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 antithesis of that is the is the guy who says, you know, I just open the Gita and whatever verse is there, it speaks to me, and and I close it up. You know, well, that's okay too, but that's not was systematically reading it and uh, but the systematic approach to reading is what Krishna recommends in the Gita as with regard to the Gita itself and obviously it extends beyond the Gita at the end of the Gita Krishna says one who studies this um, you know systematically I forget the Sanskrit but it means upside down inside out backwards frontwards um, and, and so on from all sides um, and is thus you know, equipped, if you will, to repeat it to, to other devotees is, is uh, endears themselves to me. So that's called systematic reading is called in, referred to in the Gita as well, the commentaries, I would say as Gyan, Gyan Yagya, the, the sacrifice of Gyan. That, that's different than saying it's Gyan, but there, there is Gyan to Bhakti, hmm. Samanda Gyan. Hmm. So uh, to to learn the gyan, the samanda gyan, to uh, that's gyan yagya, and that's how we look at the systematic study of the of the texts. Faith is said to be uh, derived from well, the nirguna, right? If it's nirguna faith, transcendental faith, and scripture is coming out of the. The Bhagavatam coming out of the Nirguna. Um, so 
Uh, faith is sometimes referred to as Shastriya Shraddha, so faith in what revelation, that picture of reality, if you will, as opposed to the picture that we, we gather from our senses. It's said that, that, that um, senses are imperfect, um, so the, the sadhu should not have imperfect senses. Well, of course, I'm just wearing these to test you, um, these glasses. My vision is better than 2020. The point here is that obviously, well, that doesn't doesn't work. Um, uh, what does it mean then to have to not uh, rely upon imperfect senses? Well, we have the phrase Shastra Chakshu that you see through the scripture. So through the scripture, through revelation, there's a picture of the world. It's it's not one that you're going to be able to gather with your senses. Part of it will be included and so forth, but a bigger picture. And that's what scripture really deals with, a picture that can't be uh, arrived at, um, understanding it can't be arrived at by the limited faculties of our mind, intent, intelligence, and sense. Not that they're not capable of, of arriving at any truths, they are, but um, scripture speaks of truths that can't be arrived at. Um, with them alone, but we must use them nonetheless in, in conjunction with scripture to arrive at those those truths. So Shastra Chakshu, so, so see through the eyes of uh, the scripture that teach the sadhu is supposed to live according to that picture and move accordingly. So his or her faith, Shraddha, the animating force in life is um, is tied to the, the, the revelation. Therefore, again, we say Shastriya Shraddha. So it, it um, I, I also look, I would say at the, at the systematic study of the scriptures as a way of strengthening one's faith while the, the endeavor to strengthen one's faith by such study might be likened to the way in which we strengthen steel, for example, by putting it in the fire until it's just about to melt and pulling it out. And then it, as it cools off, it, beca it, it becomes harder. So the faith becomes stronger. So you, your heart is simple, um, but in its faith, in Krishna, but it's not necessarily harmonized with your intellect. Mm -hmm. um, and so to bring the intellect into the picture fully, it is to some extent because while well, we hear an argument and it convinces us to join or, or something like that. So, you know, we, the, the intellect is, is, is at play, but to, but to the, the Bhagavatam is it gives a good like bashing of the intellect uh, and exercises it, you know, quite significantly. Um, and, um, and spiritualizes the intellect. Therefore, it's Siddhasta Prayeshua Bhadrashunyatim Bhagavatasela. By careful and continuous regular study of the Bhagavatam, well, uh, which require this, this systematic study, this, this causes an artist to 
uh, run the other way because, well, now, you know, your intellect's engaged and you're more thinking about what you're doing while you're doing it and you're harmonizing the head and, and, and the heart. And, um, you know, and in the, I say it's like the fire because in the context of harmonizing the head with the heart, using the head, as I often say, to, 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 to soften the heart, uh, well, uh, uh, the faith becomes, is tested because the philosophy is there to strengthen our faith, but it's also, um, it, it also is a limited expression of, the, of, of transcendence. And so we find its, its, its limits. Hmm. And with simple faith, we may have to, all the answers are there, just turn to page 108 and there it is, you know. But then you will find, oh, actually, you know, it's, it's a lot of gray in here. And this is an old analogy that modern observation shows doesn't hold up. Hmm. Um, then you have to sort it out and go, but, but the point is valid. The analogy, well, maybe that doesn't happen like that in nature. And therefore, it's not the best analogy to use to try to illustrate a point, but the point doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. um, in previous times or in different cultures, one will look at the world a certain way, and that's realization. You draw from the world something that it helped, that explains to you a spirit, a, a philosophical point, mm -hmm. illustrates it for you and so forth. So the point is valid. The observation in nature that you, that you had maybe the way nature works or, or, or may not, uh, that's, um, so you run into things, I'm saying you run into things like that and other things, you run into the fact that the, the text is being written a certain time, a certain place. And so while it's good in a broader sense for all time, it's, it's at the same time focused in its particular time to a particular audience. Um, and you're a different audience to, 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 to a large extent from a different culture with a different kind of brain and, and whole cellular molecular you know, structure um, around you. So, um, so anyway, that it, it, it's a challenge. Uh, it's good, and and it is. It, that's how how we one of the ways in which we can strengthen our faith. And of course, if you can wrap your intelligence around the texts and so on and so forth, and kind of live there uh, intellectually, then, then it makes it difficult to more difficult to deviate from the practice. You, you know that you're doing so, and then you, you don't wanna be a hypocrite. So um, you wanna be careful that uh, you don't become your own enemy in the moment that you, uh, you preach. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I'm rambling about it a bit, but um, something anyway about systematic study it will help to corner you so to speak make it more difficult for you to stray uh from the path and for the harnessing of the intellect spiritually which is 
perhaps the primary way of doing that is the systematic study of the scripture um, is related, very much related to, to the stage of nishta, again, where the faith is steady, so the practice is steady, uh, anarthas are coming out. So um, it, uh, it should help um, one's practice. One of the problems that, that can arise also, of course, is that one can, by kind of intellectual sleight of hand, think that they've gone somewhere um, by learning some texts, some points of the philosophy, especially ones that other people don't know that you can speak about and they can praise you for it and so forth. Um, you, you're only gonna go someplace as much as you use the knowledge that you've gathered, which isn't your knowledge, it's knowledge that you've been blessed with. Um, and, uh, and, and, and you, much as you use it for your practices, um, simple practices, it all, you know, you're gonna not have a very systematic understanding of scripture, you're gonna enter into it. You're gonna get a completely comprehensive understanding of scripture, then you're gonna put the books down and you're gonna chop wood, as they say in Buddhism, and carry water, you're gonna pick flowers, you know, and, and offer them to Krishna. And all of the simple things that you're gonna do are all uh, fully informed. Uh, you, you, you're uh, um, fully informed faith, if you will. So, um, yeah, you got two sides in a sense, the Kanishta and the Uttam. Uh, not as concerned with the books. Of course, we know Uddhamadikaris has written many books and so forth, but what I'm saying holds nonetheless. Um, the, the texts are there largely to help us to become devotees and to be and to strengthen our faith and move from a Kanishta orientation to a Madhyam orientation. We're not to remain there in the Madhyam orientation. So we come out on the other side and the books are less important. They're they're there's a point where you think everything's going to be, you're going to figure it all out by reading all the books. So there's another way to do it. That's not the way to do it. But that's important to do. That's that's part of it. I used to meet these uh, fellows sometimes in the, when I was selling prophets' books, and uh, they would say, you know, the answer is not in the book. Yeah, the truth's not in a book. So I don't think I need to read it. And I would agree with them, it's not in the book, but, but you learned that from a book. A book told you that. So, so there's something to be learned in the book and then you can put it away, but it has its place. It's an important, an important place. And of course, you know, when you speak of the books like the Bhagavatam, which is the core um, and central text of uh, Revelation for the Godias, around which all the other books are, orbiting out of which they all come um you, you have the krishna leela narrative and that's something that obviously can be relished it's not it, it, it's um for the taste those who have taste they can they're not going to put that down obviously um uh, but 
hearing and living in 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 the stories, if you will, the leelas of Krishna as they're related in the tenth canto. Um, so something about systematic study there. I hope that helps. I think we might have lost uh, Sumati in she lost connection, but the, 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 the talk is rec recorded, so she can pick up the answer, the further answer later, I hope. I appreciate the question. Another question? That was a nice question. Um, so there is a question in Spanish. Um, Shama Center, if you could help with that. You repeat the question, Gurudev. Yeah. yeah, the question is, who are we, we referring to when we chant Hari Rama, Hari Rama in the Maha Mantra? Well, who are you referring to? You're chanting. If you're not referring to anybody, well, you should be. So it's not the one size fits all. The Ma mantras, these are, it's a Nam mantra, so the names of Krishna, they mean different things to different devotees. The most straightforward reading of the text or the names is that we take all Krishna means Krishna. Um, Hari or Hare is, is Hari's name and evocative. So it's a name for God, Rama's a name for God. So the three names of God, that's a straightforward reading. And with regard to Rama, well, uh, I guess some Vaishnavas don't have an issue. Ram, Krishna, Hari, it's all the same. They're all faces of Narayan. Now we look at it differently. We have Krishna as the source of Narayan. And um, and uh, and we have, um, along with Krishna, for example, we have Balaram. Uh, so if you're looking at it from um, the perspective that Krishna is the source of all, of, of all incarnations, he has his own local, his own planet, then Hari, which Hare is the vocative of, is, is sometimes said to be the most popular name of the son of Nanda in Vrindavan because it speaks to the fact that he has stolen the hearts. How do you mean to take away, um, stolen, taken away the hearts of everyone? Um, so you could say it refers to Krishna. Um, Krishna refers to Krishna. Ram. Um, the, the, the meaning of the word also refers to Krishna, right? Who's, uh, 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 you know, the enjoyer, right? Rama, take pleasure. Um, so for that matter, if, if, I, if I might, uh, in his Gobinda Basha, Baladeva Jibhushan says that all words 
or names of God. <laughs> so they, 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 somehow or other, all qualities are in him. So, um, so uh, so there's different ways to, 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 to look at the mantra. If you're from, uh, you know, a, uh, let's say the Ramanuja Sampradaya, you might look at Hare, Hare Krishna and Ram as Krishna and Ramchandra. Hmm. Uh, that's fairly popular perspective. But you're a Gaudiya uh, Vaishnava and you're asking about within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And, um, and uh, for the most part, I would say uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism as centered as it is on uh, on the Gopi Bhav that, that Krishna himself as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to experience. Um, and as much it is, as it's centered on that, the tendency, the prominent perspective that we find is that Ram is looked at as a name for Krishna. Radha Raman, for example. Uh, uh, that said, uh, the what I would call the supporting role in sacred aesthetic rapture or rasa in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that we find the supporting role for Madhurya Rasa and its its dispensation, the sharing of it, and, and so forth. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission is about uh, is is Sakirasa, embodied as it is in the Tenanda Prabhu, hmm. um, the wide circulation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You know, he um, is responsible for that, and um, he began the Sampradaya, and he began it with his associates, all of whom Dwarasa Gopal were in Sakirasa. Hmm. So, uh, Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, was born in the Sakyarasa family, um, and his family uh, deity was, uh, or uh, the, the patron saint, if you will, of his family was Udaranda Tathakur. Udaranda Tathakur was one of the last of Gopals. Prabhupada and his family used to visit um, um, the place of Udaranda Tathakur and pay homage there and annually probably wrote about um, wanting to do service there um, and so forth. So at any rate, uh, Prabhupada expressed his own affinity in his prayer to Krishna for Sakiras, his pining, his longing, you know, for that. And he, when asked this question, uh, he said, as I have, that there's a broader perspective, could be Ramchandra, so on and so forth, um, or narrowing it down to a more Gaudiya perspective. He's, he saw the name of Ram as referring to Balaram. He didn't deny the fact that it could be seen as uh, speaking of Radharaman. So it depends. Um, we have different. Um, options, I would say, that are prominent in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the first of which, again, is Ram is a name for Krishna. And it's, it's, it's a name 
that speaks about his romantic life, Tushanticha Ramanticha, the Bhagavad Gita. Here you find it as well, right? Uh, this is uh, an important sloka of the Gita, Tushanticha Ramanticha, Bodhayanta Parasparam, Tushanticha Ramanticha. My devotees, they're always enlightening one another by speaking about me, Tushanticha Ramanticha. And as a, as a result, they, they, they experience Madhurya Rasa, the Kamanuga Bhakti or Sambandhanuga Bhakti. Uh, uh, Tushanticha referring to Sambandhanuga. And so within Sambandhanuga, we find Sakya, Vatsalya, Dasya, all of which are presided over by Balaram, all of which are part of his emotional makeup. The two, Dasya and Sakya, being subordinate, excuse me, Dasi and Vatsalya being subordinate to his Sakya. Hmm? So we look at Tushyanticha from a Gaudi perspective as referring to, and they attain in their discussions about me constantly uh, uh, Sakya Rasa or Ramanticha. Hmm? They attain uh, uh, Gopi Bhav. So these, these are the, what we find dominant influence, however you want to look at your trajectory and um, attainment in terms of its eternality, it has to be um, affected or brought about by sadhusanga. And we find that the dominant forms of sadhusanga overwhelmingly, not exclusively, are sadhus uh, who whose affinity is for Madhurya or for Sakirasa. Um, the Tananda Prabhu is, is Balaram having an opportunity to speak openly about Krishna's romantic life, which he has to be quiet about in Vrindavan. If he misbehaves, you know, he's obliged to report to Mother Yusoda on that. And he does. He reported that Krishna ate dirt. Krishna was upset with him for that for a long time, but that's the Vatsalya side of him that's, that um, he's being, um, which is being that emotional button, if you will, or side of him being pushed by Yasoda. So, but he doesn't, re what could be more misbehaved on Krishna's part than uh, Parakya, right? But he doesn't report on that. <laughs> That means implicitly that he, he accepts it. And we see it also. We see that he accepts it because when Krishna returned, when Krishna, when Balaram returned to Vrindavan and at Krishna's request pacified the inhabitants, that included the gopis. And at that time, um, he ministered to them, if you will, about Krishna's love uh, for them. Um, but for the most part, he's mum about that. He's not reporting on Krishna. Hmm? Uh, but in Gorli, he gets the opportunity to speak about the virtues of, of, of Madhurya Rasa, and he does. Um, but his own Sakirasa and supporting role um, uh, it plays out in the lives of other devotees as, as well. So, so they may see the name of Ram as Balaram, hmm. um, as a Priyanarmasaka who is involved in Krishna's romantic life, a friend 
then you can see it both ways uh, for that matter. Um, so there's also some ways to think about that. Take your take your pick and be happy. Uh, if you have any further question about that or comment, I'll entertain that. That was a question for Madhavi Dasi. Right. So if you want to ask something more, then you can. I'll take another question in the meantime and come back to you if 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 need be. Uh, yeah, Sadvi um, has a question in the chat. Um, she says, I have a question if we should try to engage or enthuse devotees that we that we meet together on weekly programs or we should not disturb others rather than concentrate on our own participation and dedication. Well, uh, it seems a little bit contradictory uh, in that your question and that you're saying that uh, should we enthuse devotees that we meet? Oh, I see what you're saying, I'm sorry. Should, I think you're saying, should we have meetings together to weekly and programs? Uh, my question was uh, rather, um, if we should try to gather as much as possible all together, have the weekly programs, or uh, we just go there, be serious, participate, and not to, uh, like be pushy or too much inviting, let's come together. It's something like that is my question. And be just uh, ourselves. Well, I think it's good that you, you come together yourselves. And um, if your uh, enthusiasm overflows onto some others, include them in, um, I think that would be good, kind of a boiling the milk uh, perspective rather than just busy, busy, busy to bring new people in to, to use the two extremes there uh, as an example. I, I would at this point I, in your life, your devotees there in Bulgaria, I would swing towards the, uh, the boiling of the milk a little bit. Not that you lock the doors, but uh, you don't let anybody in, but <clears throat> enthuse one another, focus on your own practice, I think will be useful and uh, and it will result naturally in some overflow. Um, and you know you, there's a when you of course when you when you when you're always inviting new people, you have to keep the level of the discourse at a, at a certain level that will be nourishing to new people. Which may not be as nourishing to those who have been there um, for a longer period of time, right? So um, I know you know that you've been involved in missionary activities, if you will, outreach and bringing new people in for years. So I think it's good to swing in the other direction and not be so concerned about new people that you need to pay the bills. <laughs> Depends on the Krishna. Uh, devotees get together and cause him to manifest his presence there, then everything will be attracted. 
Okay. Thank you. Good to see you. What else? So Madhavi does, it seems like a follow-up question. Um, Perspectiva. Now, I do not understand that entirely, but I think I, I got it. Sham Sundar can tell me if I missed something. You're referring to a song that we sing at Madhavan. Ram Krishna Gunagai. Well, we often sing that there. Uh, obviously, there. The, the name Ram refers to Daoji. There is the presiding deity, Daoji Gopal, Krishna and Balaram. So the liturgy there is um, is focused on Krishna and Balaram. Um, so you're coming to a Krishna Balaram temple. That doesn't mean a gopi won't go there. She will run there. She will run to be there. Um, it said that by the gopis that the perfection of the eyes see Ram and Krishna and their friends and cows together entering into Govardhan Hill. So she run there with those eyes to see them and glorify them. That's a fact. Um, so it's not like only meant for Sakyaras devotees, but they are the presiding deities there. So Ram uttered there in different songs and times and refrains and so forth, tends to refer to him. Does that help? Madhavi, Prameko, right? Yeah. Okay, I hope that helps. Ram Krishna, when you say Ram Krishna Gunagaya, you're talking about Krishna Balaram. Okay, so I guess uh, you're out of questions, huh? Well, I have one. Um, I not not me, but uh, I someone messaged me. Sajan messaged me, so he has okay. a question. What is it? Dandavats Maharaj. I read quite some time ago um, in books which I studied systematically um, that. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, accepted two principles from each of the four presiding sampradayas or uh, Vaishnava sampradayas at the time. Um, do you happen to remember what some of those are, where, where that information could be found precisely? I don't remember where it can be found, um, but there are the four sampradayas, the Sri sampradaya, the, the Kumara sampradaya, yeah. the Lakshmi Sampradaya, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's our Sampradaya. It comes in the Brahma Sampradaya, but it's its own Sampradaya at the same time. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story that you'll like um, in this regard. <laughs> I once was talking with 
Dr. Obiel Kapoor, Adi Keshavar, who, who you had some association with, if I recall. Um, yes. And uh, I brought this point up to him and he chuckled and he said, he said, no, it's not like that. <laughs> it's not that uh, Mahaprabhu has taken two from each of the four sampradayas, but each of the four sampradayas have taken two from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya. Oh. Mm. Interesting. I do like that very much. Thank you. <laughs> <first> around. <laughs> first, historically, in terms of time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya, you know, our time, is coming afterwards. But in terms of eternity, it's another thing, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so Narayan Bhakti is derived from Krishna Bhakti, to give an example. So at any rate, yeah, there are some, um, I think, uh, Perhaps in Ramanuja, it's Sharanagati and Vaishnav Seva. I think uh, in, in maybe the Balab or Nibarkasam Dai, it's, it's, it's the embrace, uh, the central embrace of Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, Madhva, it's uh, um, opposition to uh, impersonalism and deity worship. Mm -hmm. In Madhupi, for example, obviously his preaching is so much uh, in opposition to Mayavad. It's the in the Dwaita, he's Dwaita, so the opposite. And then yeah. the worship of Madhupi Krishna is, is central to their whole mission. They have eight moths centered around one moth, and each each of the charyas presiding over the moths take like one year or two years that they that their whole service can serve the deity then it's also the next one the next so uh, these are, i know these are the two from madhvas um uh, deity worship and anti-impersonalism if you will or opposition to impersonalism and sri sampradha as i said i think it's sharanagati sharanagati is uh separate from bhakti in the view of the ramanujas um bhakti is something in ramanuja sampradaya that's arrived at through perfection of karma leading to jnana, which mm. gives one the capacity for dhyan and then perpetual meditation upon uh, God. That's bhakti. Sharanak, which not everybody can do, where sharanagati, everybody can do, even an uneducated, uneducated person, someone from outside of Varnashram, they can do sharanagati and they can attain. So now in our sampradaya, it's an anga of bhakti. That's the way we look at it. It was very much um, an anga that was embraced by bhakti Vinotapo. We very much focused on that six aspects of sharanagati. But it comes from the Sri sampradaya, that emphasis. Um, so we got Madhva, we got Ramanuja. Then there's Balaba, right? Or Mbarga and Vishnu Swami. Um, Balaba being more contemporary of Mahaprabhu, representative of the, of the Vishnu Swami Sampradaya. Um, and so I'm not sure which goes with which, but uh, some of the points between these two are worship of Radharani, I think maybe Nimbarka, Bhagavatam, embrace of the Bhagavatam, that's central. Um, um, Rag Marg, I'm missing one. There's one, I, one I'm forgetting. Rag Marg concept. Uh, so that's three out of four. 
and that's uh, two, four, six, seven out of eight. I got, but yeah. some, I don't know where it's written down. Um, to be honest with you, um, it, it's not going to be in any core text. Um, it comes in Navadvit Dhammahatmya by Bhaktivinoda. Okay, Bhaktivinoda, yeah. Well, that's like a commentary. So that was Dhammahatmya. Hmm. What does he say? Um, I don't have it on me right now. I just know it comes okay. in the... You don't have it on you. Okay. I, I opened it. Very <laughs> at all times. Yes. The, the last principle is the total dependence on uh, of Krishna, the eighth oh, one. Oh, hmm. Hmm. What was the Sanskrit or Bengali? Um, this is Bengali. It's Tariya Sarvasva Bhava, the sentimental sentiment of total dependence on Krishna. This is also from Vishnu Swami. Oh, from Vishnu Swami. Okay, so that's Balabha Sampradaya. Yeah. What else from Vishnu Swami? And the other one is the Ragamarg, the spontaneous devotional service. So Ragamarg. Uh, mm. What's from Nimbarka then? Nimbarka is this Ekanta Radhika Shraya, the total right. taking shelter of Radhika, and the Gopi Bhav. The mood, oh, mood of gopis. I thought it was the Bible thing, but uh, okay, nine. And um, Ramanuja. So Ramanuja is um, Ananya Bhakti, and low devotion, free from karma and gun, and the Bhakti Jana Seva. This is service to devotees. Vaishnav Seva. Okay, it wasn't Sharanagati, but we did get that from them, <laughs> or they got it from us. Yes, and then you said Madhva is this Krishna Murti Sevana yeah. and Kevala Advaita Nirasana. This is complete defeat of Maya Vatkivas. Uh, so it seems to be a perspective of Bhakti Vinotakwa, then. Um, and he's not going to be Maha because he's, he's, he's seeing all these Nimbarka and Vishnu Swami. And, Madhva and Ramanuja all appearing in Abhidweep and having the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it could be really be ugly. You got the two, each of them got two. We got the whole thing. <laughs> no talk or Kijai. Jai. Thank you so much, Maharaj. And thank okay. you, Sadvi Dasi. <laughs> yes, and Kishore from Madhavan. Okay. And, sure. and Omkar has a question. Okay. But someone else, Indra, has, has, says, I was wondering, was Sri Govardhan, was Sri Govardhan always so long, not wide? Yes, yes. Therefore, he has many peaks, many peaks, like Anantasesh, many heads, all towering over and protecting Krishna, and the body of Govardhan, like Seish, providing a playground, not just a bed, but a playground for Krishna. Therefore, Brinda Devi says in Dan Kali, Lila of Rupa Goswami, just see, Govardhan is better than, he's a better Seish. 
she identified him with Paul Ram over time. But yes, long, he's long, long, yes. I think he is sometimes compared to a, to a peacock. They're very long, the tail, not when the tail's up, but when out. His eyes, Radhakun, Shamkun, there's a whole such geographical description of the, the, the significant places in and around Govardhan corresponding with the body of the peacock. Viraj Maharaj Okay, so Omkar says he has a question. You want to voice that? Yes, Pranam Skumaraj. Um, I, years ago, I found your song, the Goranga Mangala Mahima. I really liked that song, but I didn't really study it until recently. And uh, I guess I could ask Shamananda, who's next to me, but I, I was hoping maybe to hear from you if you could say something about that song that you wrote. Uh, which one? The Goranga Mahima Mangala, Mangala Mahima. Yeah, we used to sing for Mangalarti too, right? Yeah, um, well, uh, it's a beautiful song. I think uh, it um, it's, was written for to be sung during Mongol Arctic. So in some respects, it corresponds with that. It speaks of waking of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, position of Nityananda Prabhu is implied and then implicit and then explicit, implicit in the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rising up from the bed, putting on his shoes, describing his umbrella over his head, the thread across the middle, all these are represented as Nityananda Prabhu. Nityananda Prabhu is implicitly his, his sabers and is underscored through the mention of those uh, physical features or uh, services to those aspects of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's physique, his head, his, mid, his midsection, his, uh, his feet, and so forth. Um, and then explicitly, if I recall, Chaitanya was also. Um, invoked, um, and um, and uh, perhaps uh, most significant is the last um, verse that um, kind of puts it in perspective. We're singing this song, speaking about very beautiful things, very high things, but. I can even weep to say that we wish we had attraction, real, real feeling for them. But to speak of weeping because we feel for them. <laughs> when can we weep that we're not weeping? Is kind of the, the uh, how the, the song uh, concludes. And so it, it seeks to uh, 
do what I often say as an, an analogy, offers an analogy, if you want to go, you want to know where to go and you want to know where you are and you want to keep a focus on both at the same time. You go to the mall, shopping mall, they have something, a little map and it says, you, know, you want to go to room 108, it is here and then you are here. So you got to keep, the song seeks to do both. Hmm. Um, uh, speaking about Gore's morning Leela, and the implication is the prospect of entering into a uh, eternal Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm. a little glimpse of, of the significant uh, figures there, persons there, and their roles and so forth. And so where I want to go and then remind myself where I'm at, not because I just sing a high song, I think I've gone there. Um, so that's uh, a little bit of a, what the song is about. Otherwise, it, it, it's, it speaks for itself. I don't think I've written a commentary on that. Shamanana would know, but I don't, maybe I should do that. That would be a good idea. Good, good, I good love that me. idea. That would be good for me too. So uh, thank you for um, presenting, if you will, bringing up the, the opportunity. So I'll try to do that. Okay, thank I'm, you. I am thinking of writing a book about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Been percolating, and, uh, if you will, at this point. So. Um, Yes, I wrote that a long time ago. Very nice song. I agree. <laughs> and of course, it invokes the Audaria, the refrain, the reverse. And that's how that named Ashram here. So, all right. Well, we're just about out of time. Are there any other questions? I would just like to say that I also very much appreciate the song that you wrote, Maharaj, with Narashraj and and one other Swami, I think maybe Bhaktinandan Swami or something at the time, about uh, the glorification of Srila Prabhupada, quite lengthy, something like 23 verses or something like that. I think that's also a very beautiful thing for, for, uh, for providing us with that as well. Yeah. I've got some nice songs down in Madhavan that we sing also in the morning and evening. Which I should send them to you. And glorification of Daji Gopal there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, can we have that song about Srila Prabhupada? That, that song was actually written by Narsingha Marjan. There was some some points of it that I thought, mm, this should be changed here, this should be changed there, and help <laughs> be appreciated time. But uh, yeah, we'll see if we can, we have to look for that one. Um, should be collected up. Mm. So, all right, well, anyway, nice to be with you. Hope to be with you again next week. Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Good Premanande. Um, so I will just do some announcements.